This Once in a Blue Moon podcast is brought to you by The Film List Podcast, hosted by Heath Solo. We thank Heath for letting us put this podcast on his feed. And remember to subscribe to The Film List on iTunes. And if you have a list of favorite movies or television shows, send it to him, thefilmlist at gmail.com. Welcome to Once in a Blue Moon podcast, the podcast that happens every single day of the year. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Good. Very good. Feeling all right good. today. Well, that's good because we got a great podcast scheduled. We got some great guest stars coming on and a musical guest at the end. So I hope you guys are ready. All right, so uh, when we last talked, we talked about Doctor Who and, and Array of other shows. Uh, before we start on the two episodes of Doctor Who that we have in the tank, why don't we do a really brief segment where you guys tell me what you've watched, uh, maybe throw some recommendations. I guess I'll start with Matt. Well, uh, just real quickly, and I know we can't really talk about it, but uh, I wanted to let you know your recommendation of Penny Dreadful hit home with me really good. I love that, man. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, and I, I think it's just an amazing show. I can't wait to, you know, it seems like it's even a longer wait than waiting for Game of Thrones. It seems like that's terrible, but I, I'm <laughs> looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. But like nowadays, I don't know if you guys can think back to well, maybe even just 10, just 10 years ago when everything, all TV shows happened in, at one span of time. Now we have TV year round, so it's a little easier to deal with certain things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You you can fill you can fill the gaps up. Um, also, the season nine Supernatural DVDs came out, and so I'll be perusing through those pretty soon to catch up and get ready for season ten. But other than that, uh, I mean, I watched season nine, but uh, I'll I, I. It seems like the later we get into that series. The more I have to rewatch just to remind me where the heck I am. Yeah, it's all over the place now. <laughs> but I mean, it's still a good show, and I actually thought season nine was a step up from the, probably the last two seasons that they they did. I agree with that. It's definitely better than seven, and uh, uh, yeah. and and better than eight. Although I really liked Benny in season eight. I thought he yeah. was a great character. Agreed. Uh, what about you, Camille? Um. I recently started season two of Justified, which I keep hearing from so many different people. That is, it is the best season of Justified. Um, I only got one episode in, and I have yet to really kind of get back to it, but um, that's really how I started. I was actually, like, going back and forth with um, starting Sons of Anarchy, but... um, just don't know if I can bring myself to do it. <laughs> but um, I'm actually trying to work on getting, like, The Leftovers and a few of the other shows we talked about talked about last time because um, it was just, you know, I hear a lot about it. I kind of want to just, like, just get to it before something great is spoiled. Because I think the uh, finale happened, right, last week or something like that? For leftovers, yes, Le- leftovers finale yeah. was this past week. Yeah, and it was it was pretty good. I liked it. 
Um, also, I don't know if you guys are aware of a show called Intruders on BBC America. Stars I think I've heard of it. Yeah, it stars the actor who plays the master in Doctor Who, or played the master. Yeah, and uh, Mira Sorvino, and it's kind of interesting. It's it's a pretty dark tale about possession and that kind of stuff. Oh, didn't even know. I thought it was like some like cop show. I always think everything is a cop show. <laughs> no idea why. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically it for me. I'll probably have a better update for you guys next time we podcast in terms of new shows. So, I mean that's fine. I don't think you have to watch like thirty new shows every week. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after me, the only thing that I've started was uh, the the series of Dust Till Dawn, which is kind of based on the movie. And so far, I'm having a really really good job with a really fun time with that. Uh, I'm not done yet. There's ten episodes. And it got renewed for a second season, so that always excites me. But basically, it's it's pretty pretty loosely based on the movie. It follows the same events of the movie, but uh, at some point, it it branches off and it becomes its own thing, and that's when things really start to get interesting. Uh, definitely recommend that. And uh, that's about it. We can start on Doctor Who if you guys are ready. Yeah, let's go. Let's go for it. All right, so we have episode two of the exciting series, A New Doctor. Peter Capaldi doing a great job. Let's start with episode two. We'll just take it episode by episode. This episode was called Into the Dalek. Um, Camille, what'd you think? <laughs> to be honest, I thought it was a little cheesy. Um, <laughs> more than more than normal. Um, I honestly just I was kind of whatever about it. It wasn't the worst episode. It wasn't like, you know, the best. Um I didn't really like some of the things they had Clara doing, though. Like, I was really happy to see her actually, like, kind of talking sense to the doctor. And, like, like when she slapped him, that was, like, the funniest shit to me. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but I just thought it was great because she had this, like, this facial expression of, like, you got something coming. And then just, wham, it was great. <laughs> but um, I honestly wasn't really really that like into it i mean it wasn't like i said a bad episode but i guess it was more like on the kind of like not boring but just kind of bland side of things um i don't know it was it was okay overall i'm more i think i was more into the episode for the fact of uh, some of the kind of characteristics and qualities that they were like kind of giving clara like you know be a little more active be a little more of like his uh his conscience, so to speak, but um, I don't know, just okay, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely warming up on Clara. I think the role that she has this season is, is actually it's actually a role. I mean, it's actually something for her to do. So I feel yeah. like she's coming coming into it a lot more. Exactly. Um, the the whole the whole boyfriend storyline, ah, uh, I could do without that. But I mean, I understand that they're trying to flesh her out a little bit. Oh well, yeah, that back. was this episode, wasn't it? What was it? Yeah, yes, you're right, it was. Um, okay. Yeah, it was kind of mixed in there. It was kind of almost shoehorned in there, which I think that's why... I think this is the stuff that Stephen Moffat wrote, which is why he got the shared credit on the uh, the writing of the episode. Mm-hmm. But, but it, it was enough of it in there, so they had to share the credit. But yeah, it was kind of shoehorned in there. Uh, they're obviously pushing for this sort of confrontation between that, the guy Pink and, and the doctor, because... Now, all of a sudden, the doctor hates soldiers or he's against soldiers. And 
this guy's obviously a soldier with some kind of secret. And we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, man, what are your impressions on the episode? Uh, well, I think what I was going to say in terms of Clara's writing, um, to me, uh, and I'll compare it, I know we're going to talk about the third episode, but I, it just feels to me like yep. it, in the hands of, of, of Mark Gatiss, uh, Clara comes to life a lot more to me uh, than she did in this episode. There were some cool stuff, and I really like, I like the direction for that they're giving Clara something to do this season, but... Uh, the third episode is stronger to me than the second one. Now, yeah. uh, as far as uh, as far as the cheesiness of, of of everything, did Donald? Now, you and I, and well, and Camille, we we've all you know, we all got into that first uh, season with with the Eccleston Doctor and kind of that face off yeah. with a dialogue dialect there. Did that? Did it feel like kind of like a just a resurrected idea in a different place to you guys? Yeah, it did, actually. I was like, this seems, you know, honestly, like, this episode and, and the third episode have kind of given me some hints of, like, RTD, and I was like, that's why I didn't really hate it, because I was like, this feels like some of the old, boring stuff that we've seen mm-hmm. in, you know, the Russell T. Davis kind of era, so, I mean, it was kind of whatever, but at the same time, I was like, I felt kind of like at home, which was strange, because I haven't felt like that since we've been with Moffat. Yeah, and well, and right down to this whole, you know, uh, this whole after death thing. Like, uh, it seems to be kind of the bad wolf of this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely it's taking on some serious Moffat era undertones. I think that Stephen Moffat saw that he he got met with a lot of uh, feedback about his convoluted and, and over the top plot. Uh, which seems to take the place of a lot of the character development. And I think he sort of made a little compromise with the way that the season's running, and I think it's working so far. Um, The trade-off is, of course, you don't get a lot of the big outlandish uh, sort of plots, which he's probably going to do that towards the end. I I don't doubt he's going to sacrifice everything that he's known for. He's still going to throw it in. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely some similarities. And, man, I'm glad you made that comment. Because I, I felt like this episode was almost exactly the same tone, the same feel as episode Dalek. I think this, which is episode two, right, of the of the entire reboot. It's it's very early in the in the reboot. Yeah. Yeah, it might it might even be three or something like that. But there's even that one uh, line where in Dalek, the Dalek tells the Doctor, "You would make a good Dalek," and then here he says, "You are a good Dalek." And it's yeah. Almost dead on. So yeah. I thought that was sort of intentional. Um. Yeah, but but he's sticking with something that he knows worked. I mean, that, that stuff worked for RT. You can you can complain about the way uh, he would write things and how things didn't make sense, but you could also do the same thing about Stephen Moffat. And uh, the point is, all all of this Doctor Who stuff is successful. You know, mm-hmm. so just stick with the formula. Don't try to do little, Don't try to do too much. I think Moffat is at his best when he doesn't try to do too much. Yeah, me so, too. Yeah, that to me that's that's a that's a sweet spot. Um, what about, what about the characterization of the doctor? Because I feel like, uh, Camille, I'll direct this one to you first, but I feel like he's one of my favorite parts about the, 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 the season so far. And he's sort of making up for the fact that the stories are sort of basic and, and kind of average, yeah. uh, really simple, simple standalone. They're not too complicated, but I feel like when the doctor takes on the, takes the screen, I mean, we're, we're almost 
a little bit forgiving of stuff that's lacking in the plot because he's doing such a great job. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like um, with less kind of like mystery around what's happening to the doctor, it gives more room to see his personality. It gives more room for them to write his personality and make that the star of each episode. I mean, like, of course, they're going to deal with different scenarios with each each episode. But um, I feel I felt like the older like RTD series was great in characterization of Doctor Who because the majority of the episodes weren't so like over the top, and it gave us time to spend with the doctor in intimate settings. And I feel like this is kind of what's happening now is where um, it's less less chaotic in the story front and more enriched in like his character qualities. And we get to see him kind of, I guess, flourish in these weird intimate settings where it's not like crazy end of the world stuff every time. And I feel like there's way more room to like, to maybe even write the character and for us, the audience to really, really like see what kind of person that he is. And maybe that's like the whole point of these episodes is to really like have these intimate settings with him. So when things go crazy later on, which I'm sure they will, well, we will already have an idea of who we're, who we're dealing with, with the situation, you know, like the doctor's going to react this way because we know it because we know him now. So I, I think it's great just, for the fact that like we get to see um we get to see more of him in these really calm settings and, and it really allows his personality traits to really shine through and that and and becomes the star of each episode is like his personality traits and along with Clara too, she's I think she's benefiting greatly from the less chaotic kind of like background or story plot. So I think it can only go up from here. At least I hope. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're dead on with everything you said. I, I like the way you articulate that. Uh, I feel like uh, if you think back to the end of series four, uh, when we got the big massive kitchen sink episode where all the companions came back, I think it was Journey's in or um, just one of those last episodes. I think it might have been the two parter with yeah. Rose coming back and Jack was there and Donna. Like I felt like that was much better because of the fact that we had to, we got to spend so much intimate time with the Doctor. And all yeah. those companions. Uh, whereas with, with the Stephen Moffat stuff, like with Clara, the the really big thing already happened. Like when we first met her, so I, I think it should have been reversed. Like if we would have got this series as an opening for Clara, imagine how how much more we would have been invested when she goes through the Doctor's timeline. Which that in itself doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It still doesn't. But imagine <laughs> imagine how much more we would have cared about it if, if yeah. it just t- took its time. But, um, Matt, what you, Matt, if you have anything you want to add to them, just the doctor or, or any topic that you want to bring up now would be a good time. Well, I'd, I'd first of all just like to commend Camille because I echo your sentiments about that exactly. I also think, though, that I, I'm going to give Moffat um, for directing the writers to write a certain way, perhaps, or whatever. Uh, I'm going to give him a little credit here. Um, for realizing uh, the difference in the kind of actor that Matt Smith is and the difference of uh, and, and uh, Peter Capaldi is. Because I felt like, you know, a lot of Moffat's episodes really made Matt Smith shine because he made Matt Smith a reactive doctor as opposed to uh, this doctor seems much more proactive to me. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I would, I would definitely, uh, I had to think about that, but I guess I, I would agree. Uh, I, I do. I think that even though this doctor is a lot more callous, 
he does seem to be moving the plot along himself a little bit more, and he's not afraid to be hands-on, which is something we'll talk about when we get to the, the Robin Hood episode. But, uh, yeah, I definitely see what you mean there. I totally agree. I think that's something to kind of, like, mention, too, at some point, is that, like, he is very callous, and that comes out a lot in these, at least the first episode, like, it came out um, kind of as an obvious note, like, this ca- this doctor kind of doesn't care, so... Yeah, but I just want to mention that. There was a couple of times, and one line comes to mind in particular, where the Doctor almost seemed a tad bit unlikable. When, whenever they did the sort of Star Wars homage and they uh, fell into the pit, uh, like the garbage disposal or whatever, and uh, he kind of tells the girl, you know, if you want to say a few words, he might be the top layer of this sludge or whatever. And I thought that was very, very kind of mean. Actually, yeah, it was, it was dark. Yeah. yeah, which I, I mean, I liked. I liked it, but I mean, at the same time, it's kind of mean for somebody to say that, especially the, our doctor. Yeah, because you, you expect him to want to save people, and he's just, like, so insensitive at these points. Yeah, and, I, you know, that, that helps us as, a, as an audience, you know. I, I think that especially that the key to that episode was the doctor was asking was his own question of am I a good man or not and and a, a lot of things were brought up thematically or in dialogue to to make you lean one way or the other during the course of the episode um not that the doctor you know I believe that the doctor actually believed that at that point but I, I think it was also to to kind of bring home the the opening statement of the episode which is who do you who am I what am I and it was kind of a way to let these fans or the fans of this series know the difference between uh you know 11 and 12 or 12 and 13 or 14a and 17b or whatever they are <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and another another thing that just makes it makes the the art much more interesting is that we're dealing with an emotional art of the doctor not what is my name who is my wife what is my destiny where will i die not these big giant just exhausting plot lines about him. Just something very simple, something that we can all relate to. Uh, just, just something a little more down to earth, and I think it works. So, um, I guess as for this episode, I'll, I'll throw it to you guys in a second to kind of wrap it up. If you guys have any other topics you want to bring up, but uh, I guess what we learned from that episode is something really interesting parallel uh, between the Doctor and the Dalek, which again we 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 were sort of exposed to in the, the first series of the reboot. Um, the doctor does have some darkness in his heart, as well as good. Because let's not forget that Dalek uh, mentioned that there was beauty and, and other stuff that he saw. So there's that there, but there's also that dark side, which I think we're exploring a little bit more. And now we have a Dalek out there that's sort of exposed to the idea uh, of being good, which I guess a, a kind of a relative term because he still wants to kill every Dalek. I don't necessarily think that was that good. He just kind of focused his Dalek energy somewhere else. You know, yeah. Just on, on everything. But, um, Matt, I'll throw it to you if you have anything else you want to bring up on this episode. Uh, just a quick shout out because that was Do- that was Dollar Said who played the uh, Ross, the first red shirt that got killed inside oh, the Dalek. Oh, the die. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so that 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 was funny to see him uh, in that role, basically in the same kind of role, a cynic, except that it seems like Dollar said is never going to die, and and uh, he went quick. Um, I don't remember if they they touched on um any of the 
the whole paradise thing in, in the second episode. Do you guys remember if they did? Uh, one of the girls inside the Dalek, all she did, she went to heaven and had tea with Missy. Okay, right, right. Um, yeah, I. So obviously, they're still dropping hints about this whole like backline kind of thing, which kind of I like that it's it's subtle enough where it's not in your face, but they still bring it up to keep you keep that in the back of your mind when things are going on. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to like get this crazy like theory that maybe Clara is from this paradise world or something. I don't know. I don't know how that would even make any sense, but I'm starting to like draw a connect dots that might not even be there, connect lines that might not even be there. But um, as far as the episode, it was like I said, it was okay. But I think it, it flourished in the sense of um, just giving us more time with the doctor's personality. And I don't know, I hope we get more of those type of episodes before we deal with anything too crazy for like stories and all that. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna have, we have a good season ahead of us. Um, yeah, the 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 paradise stuff is sort of bad wolf. Uh, a little bit of Amy's crack. Uh, I found it wrong. A little bit of the crack from yeah, series five, where uh, <laughs> um, cracking her wall. Yeah. To <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like that. Uh, and then a little bit, a little bit later, that's when Martha started getting a little crazy with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like to see those little simple things, a little, a little bit of reminder that something's going on. But I also worry a little bit that ten years from now, when you're watching that episode, or somebody's just starting, uh, I think I'll pick up in series eight, and they start watching that, and they have no idea what's going on with that episode. And somebody mm-hmm. that's actually in the self-contained episode that dies, and then they appear somewhere else, and it's never explained inside of that self-contained episode, might be a little confused about it, but. I guess this is something that you have to deal with. Uh, so let's move on to Robot of Sherwood. Did it, was anyone confused by this title? I actually didn't know the title until like after I watched the episode. <laughs> okay, very good. Matt, did the title make sense to you beforehand or even in retrospect? Well, when when it first came on in the credits, I was just like, what? You know, I, I mean, it, it kind of... It definitely made sense after I watched the episode, but I, I going into it, I was just kind of like, okay, uh, what are what are we saying that because because they they kind of go through that whole that whole spiel about whether it's real or not, right before the credits yeah. started, and and so I thought, oh, okay, so Robin Hood's a robot, which turns out to be what the Doctor thinks through most of the episode. So I, I guess that was kind of a thematic thing of it, and of course, the the, the ship and all that, but it just felt like. Um, uh, I will I will say this about about the episode, and that is that I laughed my butt off. It it, it seems like Mark Gatiss has a, a Sherlock season three hangover because he wrote nothing but funny. Yeah, it was very funny. It's part of the the fluff episode of the of the year. Um, but interestingly enough, did anyone catch that the sheriff was a robot? Uh, I thought he was a half robot. Yeah, something, some hybrid or something like that. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people didn't catch that, which I think was the the, the point of the title, "Robot of Sherwood." It was that single robot. But a lot of people uh, didn't catch that because I don't know if you guys know, but there was a scene that was removed from this episode where the sheriff was beheaded, and you could see that he was sort of. Who was the sheriff? Pass. Which guy was the sheriff? That, the main, the, the main guy. Yeah, the bad yeah, the, guy. The mustache, mustache twirling bad guy. 
So he was a robot. I thought he. I thought they kind of made that clear with like the the conversations they were having. Yeah, it's sort of subtle at the end. He mentions that he was something something better, something more, something yeah. undying, or something like that. Yeah, but they had to cut out a scene that he was beheaded because of the things that were happening in uh, overseas where we're, Americans were um, beheaded. Yeah. yeah, but a lot of people weren't even aware of that because it was such a throwaway line during the battle that he gave and really kind of gave it away what he was. But um, I think that's, that was the intention of the title, Robot of Sherwood, because it, it's sort of a misdirection where you think Robin Hood is going to turn out to be one, but he's actually a real guy. Which I thought yeah. was fun and sort of interesting, but uh, Camille, I'll throw it to you. What do you, what do you want to talk about in, as far as this episode goes? Honestly, I, I was just really, like, as I was saying about the last episode, but more aiming towards this episode was the kind of, um, the very, like, kind of playful type of, uh, like you are saying that, like, it was very comical in a sense. And honestly, this episode really reminded me of the, um, damn, I can't remember, the, um, episode with Shakespeare um it kind of reminded me of that where there's this like well-known kind of uh legendary person that they end up visiting and and just like the kind of quirkiness of it and the goofy slightly cheesy type of stuff that was going on like it was it was a fun time I mean like I was genuinely like laughing at some stuff and I thought it was just great that the doctor was like fighting him with a spoon of all things <laughs> like um yeah I, I mean like for me this felt like classic like rtd type era stuff and i was just like completely just i was all in it you know like i was really happy with the, the episode overall i mean again they gave more things for claire to do too and i just i liked i honestly liked the majority of it i don't think there's too much that i, I didn't like i mean I could put it on and watch it and just completely like have a good time. And it, it's been a rare thing to have with some of the stuff that we get story-wise with um, this kind of like crazy sci-fi type of, I guess, approach that this, this show, the show has been with Muffet, but it was a nice, like scaled back, like good time. And it was just like, I don't know. I, I haven't felt this like pleased with, a Moffat episode in a while. I mean, he's really great at emotional stuff and really great at bringing home, like, huge plot points or emotional turns or both, but this was, like, the first time I felt like we were in a calm environment that was still really enjoyable or not, like, really boring, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how much Moffat actually had to do with this episode. I'm pretty sure he had yeah. a stamp, stamp of approval, but, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, for one sure. thing. One thing about this, and then I'll throw it to you, Matt. When I saw the doctor, first of all, when he threatened to punch Robin Hood in the face, I just thought that was amazing because (laughs) the whole whole point of the doctor is like he's just this nonviolent guy who finds another way to to solve things. And then he ends up having a a sword fight. And pretty much just just fighting the guy, I thought that was just great. Uh, And it was very reminiscent of the the Tenet episode where he has a sword fight up in the ship and loses his hand. Uh, I got really excited when I saw that one too because I was thinking, oh, this is a doctor that's, that's hands on, but it sort of went another way with Tenet. He didn't stick to that whole aspect of it. But uh, it's pretty, it was pretty cool to see Capaldi doing that with a spoon. I don't know how believable that would be in real life, but it was just it was right. really played play for the humor of it of it all. I also think we're coming 
we're coming pretty dangerously close to Clara actually moving the plot more than the doctor. It's yeah. Very, he really turned into a kid this episode. She started to take control, which I like. But I'll throw it to you now, Matt. Well, I think those are great thoughts. And um, it, it seems to me, you know, that I've had a, I've had a real seesaw battle with Mark Gatiss episodes before. There have been some that I've really liked, and there have been some that I just thought were terrible. Um, and mostly the the ones that I liked, I think, were probably in the RTD era. Most of the ones in the Moffat era have been really bad. But he seems to kind of have his groove back as far as the writing goes. I think Gaddis is having a really good year um, with his performance in Game of Thrones and and uh, his performance in Sherlock and and this writing and the writing of some of Sherlock. Um, one thing that I found interesting, and th- this is a, a, a strange minutia point probably, um, but if it, it stuck me out as being really strange, and that was the doctor's reaction to being kissed on the cheek by Marion. That seemed very like they really lingered on that for a moment, and I wondered why. What what did did you guys come away with that for or, or away with anything from that? Yeah, I honestly, um, I kind of uh, came to this like instant conclusion that maybe. Because, you know, when he first changed, she's like, I'm not hugging back there. And Clara's like, you know, you are not, whatever. Like, I think that, you know, just in general, physical, like, contact with him might be very foreign. And the fact that it was something kind of, uh, I guess, intimate in a sense, kind of, like, it was, like, maybe his first kiss, you know, as this new doctor. And he was just like, holy crap, like, (laughs) that's what it feels like, you know? (laughs) Maybe, Maybe it brought something nice and fuzzy in his heart, but uh, I think it was more of, like, a reaction to, like, something that he kind of is against, or maybe he, he thinks he's against, and so I think it was something to do with, something to do with that, at least, or around, among those lines, but I could be wrong. You, you know, oftentimes in this podcast, we all agree with each other, and it comes off very cheesy and very full house-like, but I'm going to disagree with both of you. I think that Really, this was just a heavy-handed way of Moffat tossing in the fact that this is not the Senate doctor or the, the last doctor, and it's just his way of saying it's different now. And to me, it's kind of annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we get it. He's older now. He uh, Am I a good man? Am I a hero? Am I this? Am I that? Okay, we get it. We, we understand. So we, I don't think we need these little things like that. And it kind of, kind of upset me a little bit because I felt I didn't see anything deeper than that. It's interesting that you guys did. Uh, looking at it through different eyes, of course, you can always see something different. But the first thing that came to my mind was just Moffitt, another way of just throwing that in there, that this is a different doctor guy, in case you didn't get it already. You know, and mm-hmm. we got 100, 100 in the first episode, 100 mentions of that. But I don't know. I don't see why he would be opposed to that or the hugging or anything like that. It's supposed to be the same guy. I understand maybe he's going through issues right now, but like I like I mentioned earlier, it, it almost feels like Clara's taken over a little bit, and he's sort of deferring to her, which I think is just kind of weird, and I, I really can't grasp the concept. Definitely interesting for from a writing perspective, but everything that I've known about the Doctor so far, it's kind of weird that he would just reach to her for for this stuff. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? That was a, definitely an interesting uh, point. I mean, it's kind of funny how we all see really different things through that, but. Um... Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be any of it could be a number of of reasons why. I did think it was strange that they lingered on it. So, I mean, I don't know if 
if that's them trying to reiterate like different new doctor or if they're trying to um, look or use this as a reference point for something they're going to bring up later. But I mean, if, I think this is like the only time, well, this is the second time it's happened, but I mean, I don't know. I honestly, I didn't give it too much of a thought. I was just like, well, if they're going to, if they're going to have some, some purpose to this scene, then we'll get it. And if not, then, oh, well, I guess, you know, it's, it wasn't really, wasn't trying to get too heavy into why, just because it could be such a small detail that meant nothing. So. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm the king of minutia. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, this episode was pretty, pretty fluffy. You guys, can uh, any thoughts come to mind of the plot itself? Just want to talk about? It it was kind of a, just a one on one substitution plot. It, it's it's your typical Doctor Who plot. Um, take historical figures out, insert monsters here, and and move on. And the, the the nice thing about the episode, though, when you look at when you look at the robots, even though they did terrible things, and and of course. Uh, the sheriff did terrible things uh, and had his own kind of, I guess, his own ulterior motives uh, because of whatever part of him that was human uh, subscribed to something different than what the the rest of the robots seemed to think they were, were doing. Um, I didn't necessarily perceive the robots as, as having an ultimately evil purpose, just but instead just being, you know, kind of subjugated to, to their situation. Not that it excuses it, but uh, I, I like having those kind of twists in Doctor Who that makes it uh, a little bit deeper than just white hats and black hats, you know? Yeah, it was, it, it came back to the um, episode, the first episode of Doctor Who, where the, those like creatures, they did terrible things to try to get home, but that was the, the point was that they wanted to go home and they wanted to get out of this the situation they wanted to remove themselves from being stranded and it was similar to this as well, which I wonder if that was intentional or, or whatnot, but um it does bring that whole like it brings that question of, you know, are are these are their actions really that bad though, given the circumstance. So Yeah, wasn't there a destination the promise land too, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Yeah. In fact, I, yeah. I think that's the only thing, you know, Moffat probably made Gaddis slip in their destination into the script. And I think that's probably the only contribution he made to this episode. Probably. Um, yeah, I, I, thought I was saying earlier, I don't, I don't know how much Moffat had to do with this episode. But. Yeah, yeah. That, I was just reiterating your point. And, and I think that, um, like I said, like I did say before, um, Clara taken over in this episode... I, I think we saw in the second episode Clara being more reactive um, and, you know, maybe a little guiding to the doctor. But in this episode, um, she was definitely much more proactive. And I, I think that was just Gaddis trying to, to uh, break the mold, mold a little bit uh, and add an extra layer of fun on top of it. Yeah, I'm definitely okay with it for this episode. But if it becomes a trend, I think it's something that needs to be addressed in the plot pretty soon. Uh, yeah, especially knowing that 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 character of Clara is going to be gone pretty soon. I don't know. They, they seem to be. I guess the point of her this season is to sort of help the Doctor. He needs her for yeah. some unknown unknown reason. I don't know. Um, 
I still can't shed any light on on anything that's going on with Clara. Like, what exactly happened? Uh, I mean, it's it's still a mystery to me, and I think that, that that's just sort of looming over my head. So whenever I think about Clara, it just kind of upsets me. Like, what is an impossible girl? <laughs> what did you do? You you were appearing everywhere for like two episodes, and now that you met this version of me, there's no other Clara's out there that's popping up. I don't I don't know. It just seems. What what did she do? <laughs> I hate to dwell on it, but what did she do when she went into the timeline? Does anybody have any idea? Um, I <laughs> I just know she was there. Maybe she was. I think there was like one scene where they like CGI'd her into like the old episode, an old episode of Doctor Who, and she was she like did something or she said something to help the doctor get through a situation or it was some words of encouragement basically. I think that helped him to get through or to not do something or whatever. Uh-huh. But um, I think that was more like more or less what they were trying to emphasize is her kind of pushing him into directions to keep him from getting hurt or, or, you know, something crazy happening. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Matt, you don't have any more insight either, do you? No, I really don't. But uh, <laughs> I, I like Camille's thought. Yeah, it's just it's it's so inconsistent because when we first met the the different iterations of Clara, she was sort of this original person that seemed to have grown up all her own in that specific time. And then when she went through the timeline, it seems to be a a Clara that was aware and knew what she had to do to help the doctor, which to me didn't didn't make too much sense because I don't know. And I don't know because even in the 50th anniversary special. Um, she when she ran into the room with with the three doctors in there, Matt Smith made some line about uh, t- about ten. Yeah, you met him before. So like I don't know, like she with that version of Claire, I've met him. So the version of Claire that we're talking to now remembers everything when she went through all the timelines, so she remembers all the different Claire. There's no way that she could remember because I feel like <laughs> she wouldn't. I mean. If you remembered, I don't. I think we'd be in a different situation with her. But that's another thing that I'm curious about too. Is like, I was under the impression, like after the movie or or the anniversary or whatever, that like the whole season or not maybe the whole season, but this new doctor was going to be about finding everybody that is in that picture, right? Like that's that's a thing still, right? Yeah, I thought he was in search for search for Gallifrey because he's he yeah, like. Thought- yeah, he got the confirmation that, uh, somewhat of a confirmation from, um, what what doctor is that, Matt? The older guy with the scar? Oh, uh, the Tom Baker doctor is the fourth doctor. Yes, he, then he got some kind of, which I'm not even sure what that guy was supposed to be, the curator, but, uh, yeah, yeah he, he sort of hinted that Gallifrey was out there, and then that was in search of Gallifrey, and then we right. got the little... I'm wondering why we haven't like even started that or I mean does this doctor even remember like I'm just like what does everyone know I just want to know like put your cards on the table let's figure that out but well how about how about this as a crazy crackpot theory the promised land is Gallifrey ooh that'd be so awesome (laughs) I I like that idea because from the the older Doctor Who that I've watched where he sort of had a council and people that he had to answer to, and he was sort of on the lam. 
I like that idea. And I was always thinking that, okay, they're going to bring Gallifrey back and we're going to have other time lords and stuff like that. And possibly other time lords that he'll meet up with and it could make some more interesting dynamics and stuff like that. But they sort of left it alone. So I'm, I'm pretty interested to see what's going on, especially with this Missy character, who to me seems sort of a little too much River Song, a little too much Madame Kavarian, and a little too much of that other lady that they ran into whenever they had to uh, scan the clothes on or something in the church. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it just seems like the same character over and over again, but I'm interested to see what she is. Like, what's her point? Yeah. That'd be so, so cool, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and it's too early to tell. Like Matt said, it's a crackpot theory, but I do like it. Yeah. Same. And apparently, uh, you have to be careful because there are a lot of, I think the whole, all the scripts that leaked and a lot of the working, uh, the working, uh, what do you call it? When the episode's not quite finished, but it, it's out well, without the CGI and the finishing touches on it. The unfinished episodes, a lot of them are out and all, all of the scripts I heard were, were leaked too. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Moffat was pretty pissed about it. Wow. Oh, man. Now, yes, you now, gotta be careful now. <laughs> now you have to be really careful. Now I'm half, but now I'm half tempted. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, now I can get some kind of like answer, maybe. <laughs> That's like the worst thing with like like Game of Thrones because like there's so much crap that you can learn about. I mean, obviously with the books, and I'm just like, don't do it, and then I end up doing it, and then I either regret it or I'm just like. Damn it! If I just waited two more weeks. <laughs> yeah, that was something. I think we we talked about this earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah. Direct direct message. How you spoiled yourself, but uh, that was also it was something worth that it. Didn't it was too. so worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'll have to tweet at you guys later. I read something that's very spoilery for um, Game of Thrones, but it's confirmed, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. But that'll oh, be unrelated to this. Yeah, throw that um, away because we're the two people you want to talk to about that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I so. guess we, we could throw it back to Doctor Who for uh, to wrap this up. Um, we we throw our theories out there. Uh, apparently, there's all the scripts out there. If you guys want to know what's going to happen, well, I, I won't do that. One one good thing about it though, they're not breaking up the season this year, so we're going to get them all in uh, con- concurrently. I think I don't know. What I'm saying I'm, I'm late. We're going to get them all one after another every week until it's done. So I, oh, I think that's, that's pretty good. Cause that was Very good. Me. What does that mean for a Series 9, though? I mean, does that mean we won't get a Series 9 until 2016? <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> it's going to end, what, around November? Maybe right, and then we'll get a Christmas special and maybe a Christmas special to kick off the Series 9 part. Yeah, because that's the episode... Spoiler when Claire is supposed to depart. Yeah. Uh, Which I was going to mention earlier with the uh, episode two is maybe they're leaving this, like, boyfriend plotline in to kind of give Clara, like, more of a strengthening reason why she should probably, like, leave or, like, you know, Mm -hmm. separate from the doctor because she has something more concrete, something she cares about that isn't, you know, it's conflicting basically. So um, I think that they're adding that, I'm I'm assuming, to kind of be uh, a step towards her departure, but 
I don't know. Yeah, it could be. We'll it see. could be. The show has done that before. I know back with yep. the third Doctor with Pertwee, uh, he was like seriously having some feelings about a companion, and then she fell in love with another guy and and uh, basically left. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Also, we got a little uh, karate chop. Kind of remind me a little bit of Pertwee. He is a little. He's a little more James Bondy, isn't he? In some ways. Did did you guys catch that though? Whenever he did the the karate chop and knocked the thing out of Robin Hood's hand. I don't remember. Maybe. Apparently, there was also a picture of the second Doctor dressed as Robin Hood in this episode on the computer screen. Someone said. Oh, did that actor actually play Robin Hood in a movie or something? Maybe. Something like that. I, I heard someone mention it, and I, I didn't got a chance to go back and watch the episode. But yeah, um, uh, what's his name? Troughton, I believe. Patrick Troughton is in in this episode, just as Robin Hood. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that was Troughton, but I know exactly the picture you're talking about now. Okay. Yeah. It was funny watching that episode, and I think uh, Robin had like chopped off his button. And I thought about our last conversation about, like, you're, you're just joking about, like, you know, the weird subtleties that people make references to. And it's like, oh, his button had this on it. I was like, oh, there goes his button. <laughs> <laughs> that was a reference to the third part of right. Arc of Space, the uh, fourth doctor. That uh, I, I like making fun of classic fans. And, folks, don't yeah. get me wrong. I've watched my share of classic stuff, too. So I'm just uh-huh. as bad as you all are. So. Yeah, I just got a, I got a good little laugh out of that. I thought I'd share. <laughs> yeah, but this doctor definitely has a, a classic series feel to him, more mm-hmm. so than, than anything that we've, that we've seen from the doctors in the new series. Which I think is the point. So I'm not mad at him about it because it's supposed to be the same same guy. Right. So mix it up, mix it up a bit. So I'm no problem with that. I I think that's a great point to make, Donald, because. Um... As you have stated, as a fan of the show, you've tried to go back and watch the classic series, and there's just so many things that can take you out of that. But to have that same kind of characterization put in a very watchable episode, just like in uh, this last episode, that shot of him activating the TARDIS and going up and you see in the wheels turn, I loved that <laughs> shot. I just thought that was yeah. fantastic, you know? and, and so you get you get to get the doctor characterization that I think a lot of classic Who fans love, but at the same time you get it with the the the, the great way that the show is being shot these days. Yeah. yeah, and that's something I don't think we ever really mentioned or mentioned enough is how I have to give a lot of credit to Stephen Moffat. I don't know what he did if it was all him, but the show took a dramatic just turn in, in as far as quality and production. Then he took over. It looks like a totally different show if you just look at it. It's night and day. Uh, yeah. I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that RTD made it so popular so they were able to get the funding. So yeah. what Mouse has done has been amazing. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I think um, it got it did get like updated when Moffat took over. So, I mean, it was like new everything. I mean, honestly, it, it, the show looks so, so good. Like, it looks beautiful. I mean... I, I even got uh, I got the first season with Matt Smith on, on Blu-ray, and it's just like, the show really looks good. So yeah, the, the upgrade story. is that's, definitely appreciated. Yeah, that that's the only Blu-ray that I've bought is the Series yeah. 5. Because after Series 6, I, I was so, I don't want to say 
angry, but I was kind of upset with the whole the, the idea of that plot and the way it ended. I just didn't feel like to me. I didn't buy the DVD and then series three seven just I don't know what he was thinking with that one. It it, it definitely went straight down, and yeah. I didn't bother buying the DVD. But I definitely meant to go back and, and get the the Blu-rays. But series five looks great. Mm-hmm. It almost looks better than than. Take away that first episode of Series 6, which was set out in Texas, which looked great, but I think it was like intentionally shot with like extra HD and stuff like that, movie production. But um, Series 5 looks amazing. I don't know what they did to, to do that, but it really sucks yeah. you into that world. Yeah, but, especially, um, I don't know, like especially scenes of the TARDIS, like it, it looks so clean, like and I don't know if it's just like the colors are enhanced or something, but it just it has a super like beautiful palette to look at and it's just like yeah. you feel at home in there i'll tell you exactly what it is it's, it's matt smith's first tardis that psychedelic very spacious type of tardis which was great yeah. and i hated i hated when they got rid of it even the one yeah. out like they sort of in the recent episode they sort of showed that it's a little bigger but the one that, that matt smith had you know um in the last series the last half of that series was just to me it was very claustrophobic and it felt a little too blue, and, and it just, I don't know. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all, yeah. especially compared to that, that first orange and green and psychedelic sort of. Uh, one thing I've I, I noticed in this past episode was that um, I'm pretty sure uh, pretty sure uh, Capaldi still has Matt Smith's uh, screwdriver. Um, he does. And I was like, is he ever going to change that? Because they made it a thing where they changed it each time. But I'm wondering, like, if they will even go. I mean, it's just such a small thing. (laughs) Now I'm turning into Matt. (laughs) But, yeah. Well, what what I'm wondering is, you know, the whole fact that we have, you go back to look at Silence of the Library and, what did what did Rivers screwdriver that she we basically find out was a doctor's screwdriver? What what did what did it look like? Was it close to the Matt Smiths? No, no. I've, I've, I've looked at that a hundred times. It's 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 very clearly it's Tenet's uh, screwdriver with like a little extra piece wrapped around uh, around it. But it, it's very clearly it's, it's Tenet's screwdriver, which was a problem for me too. Whenever they destroyed Tenet's uh, screwdriver, it was also another. Uh, another uh, big problem for me in the 50th anniversary when he kind of mentioned that it's the exact same screwdriver, just a different yeah. shape. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Tenet screwdriver got destroyed, and then the computer, uh, the started to get out of new one. I don't know if it still had access to that software or whatever, but that's a minor. That's why I'm, like, that's why I'm wondering like, if they even will, because this actor just seems so, like, keeping it simple in terms of, like, his look. How to yeah. some degree how he acts. I wonder like if his if he's gonna keep the same screwdriver or what what's up with that. Yeah. He's still searching for himself and I think once he finds himself we'll find a new sonic screwdriver. Yeah, exactly. that's a good point. That's a very good point. Because if you think about it, this this screwdriver it's you know, it's it's a little a little uh outlandish, a little too big. It's very Matt Smith. I would yeah. think Capaldi would have something a little more conservative. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that they're, what they're all leading to, and uh, I'm going to start closing it out. We'll have to go in a second. But I think what, what they're all wrapping it up to is that somehow Clara is going to help this doctor find find himself because they already set up so much that that uh, she needs he needs her, and we know that she's about to go. So I think before she goes, she'll do something, or they'll come to some kind of 
understanding where he, he lets her go or he accepts it and becomes who he's going to be, which I think is yeah. just going to open, open it up so much more for this doctor to just take over. Maybe that's why they're giving Claire a lot more to do is because she's going to be one of his support systems and she already is. So it's a lot of, a lot of, you know, seeing him get grounded with the help of Clara, you know, and then probably, like you said, by the time she leaves, it will have, he'll, he'll be who he needs to be, or at least he'll have a better idea of what and who he is. And then maybe after he solidifies his character and his personality, um, maybe we'll find Galfrey. Like, I'm waiting. I'm never yeah. going to let go of that. Like, we need <laughs> to find it. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's weird because... No, as a matter of fact, now that I think about it, he did make the contact with Gallifrey because they shot him out the extra regeneration. But there was some kind of stupid plot line that made no sense how they were waiting for him to confirm his name so they could come through the cracks. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what's up with that. Like, I, I don't know if they're ever going to revisit it now. It might just leave it at that. But here's the question I'm going to pose to you guys, and I want you to answer it and then give me your, your closing thoughts on on the Doctor Who. I'll start with Matt. Matt, is Clara going to die? No. Clara's going to leave the doctor, but she's going to leave him in a good place. I, I think I think we've had too much tragedy as far as companions and doctors go. Um, <laughs> so I, I honestly believe that uh, it's time to have a, a good parting as opposed to a bad parting, and I think Moffat recognizes that. Um, so, uh, and final thoughts? You know, I really like these two episodes. I can't wait for more. Uh, find me at Musical Concepts. Awesome. Yeah, I think that with Rose, it was very, a very tragic ending, even though she came back a lot of times, which was kind of cool. Martha, Martha wasn't that tragic. I thought she made, didn't she make the, the choice to leave on her own and pursue other things? Yeah, like, I think, like I think Martha's thing was that she was, like, in love with the doctor, and she realized that was never going to happen, <laughs> and she just removed herself from the situation. Right, which made it tragic for me because I'm, you know, I'm a sap. Yeah, I, she was my favorite, honestly. I mean, outside of, I, I didn't mind her like feeling for the doctor, but I just, I loved her as a companion. She was so independent, and I really, really enjoyed exactly. that. Exactly, and the fandom gives Martha such a hard time, but I, I had no problem with her. I thought she was excellent. Yeah, people like, I mean, Donna's great, but everyone just like. They'll, like, speak about Donna before they even think about Martha, which I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing about yeah. Donna was that she had such amazing chemistry with, with Tennant, but I think Martha yeah. was, like you said, more also, independent. I think Donna also had some of the better episodes, too, of, of Doctor Who, so, I mean, there's that as well. Yeah, and if you want to talk about tragic, what happened to her was very, very tragic. God. She did not have a memory of it. Yeah, that was probably one of the worst companion, like, departures for me was, was what happened to Donna. I was like, I can't even look at Donna without, like, <laughs> the pain, the pain. <laughs> yeah, I hate that, and I hate that it's never got resolved. I really hope Moffat just says, look, I'm going to make her remember. Yeah. <laughs> but Camille, same question. Clara, live or die? I don't think she will, just because they killed her, like, two or three <laughs> times already, yeah. and they're kind of like, you know, I think they might do away with it. And maybe she'll live a happy life. Or maybe, you know, maybe her leaving us isn't necessarily the last or we'll see of her, but it'll be, like, the last, like, consistent time we spend with Clara. But 
I don't think they'll kill her. At least, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah, but you got to think, they, they, they killed Rory five times, and then it, whenever it's it Tatuma, they'll Yeah. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> I don't think you'll stray away from, from killing people as many times as possible. And they, um, they, made, they made sure that he was dead. Like, by the end of it, he was, like, legitimately dead, at least in the timeline that the doctor was in. Yeah, yeah. And so. he could never go back and, and ever fix that ever, so. Or even visit them when they're young and old, or, you know, when they're still young, but in the past. Like, that's still, I don't know. Yeah, it makes no sense, because Amy and Rory comes in and visits the doctor when he's uh, with the, so, not Salurian, it's the Salurian. Hmm. Or they like, aren't they, like, standing off on the hill, waving? And it's like a future version of themselves. You guys even remember that before? From Series 5, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that, that's never going to happen now. So, <laughs> um, so I guess it's just left for me to to say, I think that Claire is going to live. I, I think that he could easily have her die and that sort of jolt the doctor into becoming who he is and just accepting that, you know, I'm going to be a hero. I couldn't save her all these times, but she saved me. Mm-hmm. I think that would be kind of, kind of poetic thing to do. But I also think also, like the idea of having a companion out there that, that actually can come back. You know, we have Martha out there, but I doubt Martha ever comes back. But yeah, with every other companion that's left so far, it's been so final. And just that's it. We're moving on. Um, but, yeah, I like the idea of, of just having Claire out there for guest spots later on. And I think, like you said, we're due for a happy ending. Yeah. Or uh, they'll have a huge plot twist and. Clara will end up dying, and then the doctor will realize who he is. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a, like... possible. Yeah, it'll be like a domino effect. Like, that's the only way it'll happen. But, yeah, who knows? Yeah. But, uh... Uh, what's your Twitter handle, Neil? Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Um, my Twitter... Twitter my Twitter handle is Lady Oddity. That's correct. <laughs> it seems like a question the way she said it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Should I give mine again? At Musical Concepts. Bye. Yeah, Musical <laughs> Concepts, Lady Oddity, and Donald Jr. Together we are Blue Moon Podcast, the power of three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more thing. When they shot the arrow at the end, wasn't that like the cheesiest thing in the world? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. It was almost as bad. It was a terrible solution and an even cheesier shot. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Yeah, just, you know what? Part. You know what's funny is, I only like really understood the arrow thing because of Once Upon a Time. Because I was like, oh yeah, that's the arrow for the rumble. <laughs> the golden arrow. Right. Yeah. It was kind of a fairy tale episode, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah and, and it was so weird at the end when that girl came back. Cause was there any setup to the fact that he lost her? He said he said uh, he told Clara, "Well, I am leaving him a present." And I think what it was is that uh, he had yeah. Mar- Marion dashed away in the in the TARDIS somewhere, and then when he dematerialized, okay. he left her behind. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of like let's just give him a happy ending. And it, was, it was kind of weird, but I mean, I, I had some problem with it because it was kind of sweet, but it came out of nowhere. I mean. Mm-hmm. You still need to watch Once Upon a Time, Donald. Just saying. Uh, I will. You have to watch Sons of Anarchy and 
thousand other things too. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully by we'll next time, hopefully by next time we do this episode, Matt would have caught up on Sons of Anarchy and Camille would have. Camille, where, where are you at on time? I haven't even started. <laughs> oh man, well we'll get that idea. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'll have it done by next week. I'll be caught up by next week. At some point, our timelines will align and we'll all have watched more than just Doctor Who and we can talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's it for this episode and we'll see you guys next week.